Oh, it's a privilege to, well, it's a privilege to be here at Pursuit. Uh, Debbie and I have been attending since last, <laughs> look at that, uh, since last May, and uh, we're so blessed to be here, um, part of the Pursuit family. When we first came here, we looked around for some more white hair, and uh, we, found, uh, we found a little, so that was good. But um, I, I learned one time by taking a survey that I think like a 33-year-old, so I'm somewhere in between. And uh, I saw a picture of myself one day, and I told my uh, daughter, somebody made my hair look whiter in that picture. I'm not, it's not that she said, Dad, no, they didn't. So, <laughs> oh, there's another whitehead there. Well, it is a privilege to be able to open the scripture today, and before we get started, um, we're going through a tough time, as we have been for the last couple of years. Um, It's affected everybody all over the world in one way or another, and beyond that, there's the day-to-day things that we deal with, and so I wanted to spend a moment in prayer, and I want to ask you today, if, uh, if you're dealing with an issue or problem If you feel comfortable, I'm going to just ask you to stand, and I'd like to pray for you today. Um, Maybe nobody feels comfortable. Oh, there we are. Okay. So anyone that needs prayer, especially today, if you just stand. And then if someone near you would just put, uh, put their hand on your shoulder as I pray, as we pray. Lord, we... Thank you this morning for your presence. Thank you, God, that as we enter into this place and as we worship together, that we become more and more aware of the fact that we are very much in the presence of God right now. And so, Lord, uh, with each one who's uh, standing right now, I pray, Father, whatever the, the need is, you know it, Lord, completely. We pray for your provision. We pray for healing. We pray, God, for the peace that passes understanding. Lord, we pray today for the realization in each of these lives that you are aware of what they're dealing with and that you are very much upon it, that nothing escapes your notice. And I pray today, Lord, for your encouragement, your strength, and for uh, you to meet this need as we lift it before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, when I was a kid, I I remember listening to Billy Graham preach. Uh, Does anybody here remember Billy Graham? (laughs) I was fascinated whenever he'd start preaching and he always started with a joke, so I'm going to tell you a Billy joke, uh, and if you don't like it, you can blame it on Billy Graham. Uh, you know, he said one time that uh, it, was the fine, it was the playoffs for uh, these two major league baseball teams, and uh, the score was really tight, and a guy stepped up to bat, and he whacked the ball like I don't know how many hundreds of feet except it landed in a bush. And uh, the outfielder out there, he reached in the bush and he caught it 
just in the nick of time, except uh, he, what he grabbed was a baby rabbit. And he threw it to home plate. And the baby rabbit lands at home plate, and the umpire, as the runner comes in, he goes, you're out by a hair. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so Mark, Mark talked, I think, last week about his uh, graduation party when he graduated high school. And I was there. I was at that party. It was an amazing party. And he was right. There were about 200 people there. I never knew that he got a car out of it, though. <laughs> that was for you, Mark. It's a privilege to have this opportunity to bring God's Word to you this morning. And uh, today we're going to be thinking about Sabbath rest in the presence of God. One of the names that we find in Scripture for God is uh, Yahweh or Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is present, or the Lord is there, or the Lord is with us. I thought about the idea of God being here, being present with us, now or in our time alone with him. And I realized that this is one dimension of God that's really easy to lose sight of, his presence with us. Sometimes we can completely forget that he's with us, unless we regularly remind ourselves, oh yes, of course, God is with me. I'm not alone. We have to remember that, to remind ourselves. And that led me to look at numerous places in the Bible that speak about the fact that he is with us. Uh, just last month, we celebrated Advent, and one of the most familiar passages uh, of the Advent season is Matthew 1, 22 and 23. All this took place that what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I want to clarify right at the top here that we're not just talking about the fact that God is everywhere. Uh, the word for that, of course, is omnipresent. He's everywhere. But that he's personally present and attentive to you and to me right now. That's really important to make that, that distinction. So I want to lay that out right at the beginning. I have a good friend that I've talked with often about the scripture and how God is present in our lives. And when I talk with him about God being with us or being present, uh, he would often say, well, Randy, God is omnipotent. He's everywhere. Of course, he's present. And I'd say, well, that's true. But there are times when he wants us to recognize that he's with us in this moment with what we need for this specific issue that we might be dealing with. He's with us aware of what we're specifically going through. So that's how I'd like to approach, approach it this morning. We're going to begin by thinking about the availability of God's constant presence. In Ezekiel chapter 48, the sovereign Lord himself 
uh, gives the dimensions of the boundaries of the city of Jerusalem. And in 4835, here's what it says. The distance all around will be a thousand cubits, and the name of the city from that time on will be the Lord is the So the name on the city would be the Lord is there. How's that for the name of a town? (laughs) The Lord is there. Some scholars think that it may have been a play on words because the Hebrew for Jerusalem is Yerushalayim. And so possibly it was a play on words, Yahweh, Shama, Yerushalayim, the Lord is there. In any case, it gives us a glimpse of how very important it is for us to know that. We have to know it. We have to be aware of it. We have to remind ourselves of it. We have to focus in at times in a very specific way to remember, oh yes, God is with me. Um, Henry Nouwen was one of my favorite authors. He went to be with the Lord a number of years ago, and this is what he said. The world in which we live today and about whose suffering we know so much seems more than ever a world from which Christ has withdrawn himself. How can I believe that in this world we are constantly being prepared to receive the presence of the Spirit. Still, I think that this is exactly the message of hope. God has not withdrawn himself. He sent his Son to share in our human condition, and the Son sent us his Spirit to lead us into the intimacy of his divine love. It is in the midst of chaotic suffering of humanity, that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of love, makes himself visible. But can we recognize his presence? I had the privilege of hearing Henry Nouwen speak in Boston, Massachusetts, quite a few years ago. And uh, what, a, what a humble man, very spiritually minded, uh, focused on God. And he said, at one time he asked his bishop, If he could have 30 days just to be in the presence of God. Can you imagine that? 30 days in a cabin in the woods where he he and God could just be together. And he was always too busy writing, speaking, um, making appearances, whatever, leading retreats. And finally the moment came and his bishop said to him one day, Henry, you've been asking for time alone with God. We ha- we're going to be able to grant you 30 days to just go and be with God. And he said, it was wonderful. He made his trip. He went to the cabin. And he said, within 24 hours, he was terrified. He could not, his mind just kept racing. He said, no book to write, no study to prepare, <laughs> no retreat to get ready for. What am I going to do? <laughs> It took him five days to get into a place with God 
where his awareness of God's presence was just intense. And he said he lived there for the next 25 days. And he said it was the most amazing thing that's ever happened to him. When I heard him, I thought, oh my goodness, that's probably true that sometimes we avoid that kind of contact with God. It can be a little scary, especially when he starts really looking at, helping us to look at what's really going on in our hearts. God is with us. He's here right now. So just how important is it to God that we know that we're not alone? It seems to be important to him. And that question got me thinking about Moses in the book of Exodus. We're told in uh, Exodus 33 that Moses would leave the camp of the Israelites and he would go into a tent called the Tent of Meeting where he would meet and talk with God, just Moses and God. And Joshua, I believe, was right outside the door waiting for Moses. When he went into the tent, everyone in the camp of the Israelites would stand at the door of their tent And they would face that tent, waiting and watching for Moses to come out so they could hear what God had said to him. It says in in chapter 33 of Exodus that Moses would talk with God face to face as a man talks with his friend. Isn't that beautiful? It was during one of those conversations that the Lord said to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I love Moses' answer. He said, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us from here. Now my translation would be this. (laughs) Well, I want you to know I'm not going without you. Unless you go, we don't go. What an intimate sense of their communication with one another, Moses and God. There are many scriptures that speak of God's presence or of being with us. And I'm going to share a few with you this morning. And I encourage you, if one of these really speaks to you, jot down the reference so you can go back and look at it again and again. And spend some time thinking about it. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear... For I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Isaiah 41.13 For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says, don't be afraid, I will help you. Many times uh, with a hospital patient and their family, I would quote that verse um, in prayer. Help them to know, Lord, that you've got them by the right hand. Joshua 1.9, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Zephaniah 3.17 says, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. James 4.8, come near to God and he will come near to you. Now, that's one of the verses that speaks to that issue of God being omnipresent. Well, of course God is here, but 
Listen to that again. Come near to God. You see, there's an action on our part, and he will come near to you. Matthew 28, 20, surely, Jesus said, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. By the way, I heard about a woman who was talking with her pastor, and uh, she was terrified of flying, and she had to fly for some kind of a family event, and she was so scared. And he said, remember, Jesus said, I will be with you. Now, she was a King James a person. <clears throat> so she said, yes, but it says, low, I will be with you always, not high. <laughs> low. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be with you always to the very end. Hebrews 13, 5 says, God has said, never will I leave you Never will I forsake you. Psalm 139.7, where can I go from your presence? This would be our modern day vernacular might be, um, I can't get away from you. (laughs) I don't care where I go. I can't get away from you. That's what he was saying. Where can I go from your presence? Not that we want to, just that that's an interesting thought. Psalm 73, 28, but as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. He is with us. And as we think about the availability of God's presence, I want to turn to uh, the opportunity for us to pursue what he's already given us himself the opportunity to pursue, to go after what he's already said. Yes, I'm with you. I'm here. But then we get to go after it like seeking and longing and looking for him. So uh, if that sounds a little confusing, the idea here is that he's given himself to us to be present with us, but we don't come to be aware of his presence unless we take the time to seek him. In 1968... Um, before I was born, no, I'm just kidding, I was here. (laughs) I was uh, 17 years old. Theologian Francis Schaeffer wrote a book entitled The God Who Is There. In my chaplain internship, you know, we were often challenged to give a, uh, a statement of our theme for the work that we are going to be doing, and I chose the title of Schaeffer's book, the God who is there. And that meant a lot to me because um, I can't tell you how many times I had to go into a room with people who had, are facing just devastating a situation. And often I would say, there are no words for this. I'm just here to be with you. What else could you say? The ministry of presence. God is there. He's present. And uh, so I couldn't think of anything more important than that. Schaefer said in 1968, now think about that. How long ago was that? That was 54 years ago, right? 1968. Think about our world now and think about our world 54 years ago. And here's what he said. 
We're surrounded by a generation that can find no one home in the universe. In contrast to this, as a Christian, I know who I am and I know the person of the God who is there. In every age, this God continues to provide that anchor of truth and the power of love to meet the world's deepest problems. What a statement. So when I thought about the concept of pursuing what he's already given us, which is himself, it came out of, again, out of my own deep conviction that God desires for us to deeply desire him because he knows what we often don't know, that life apart from him is no life at all. Not really. I uh, was reading an article one time by a lady who was an amazing writer, and she talked about how she drove into a parking lot to park and go in and do some grocery shopping. And she, she was sitting in her car, uh, going over her list of everything she still had to do for that day. And, uh, and something caught her eye over to the side. I don't know if she saw movement or whatever, but she said, I turned and I looked, and there was a young man sitting in his car with his Bible propped up on the steering wheel. And she said, it stopped me. I forgot about the list. I forgot about whatever I had to do because six feet away from me in the car next to me, God was at work. Isn't that beautiful? Capturing, capturing that moment. God was at work, six feet, eight feet away from me, right there in that car, that young man was meeting God. How often do we miss moments like that? And I was uh, so touched by that. Well, we desperately need relationship with God, and we need relationships with one another. I'm sorry to say, when I was a kid, you know, every Saturday I'd be watching TV, and my favorite cowboy show, because <laughs> in those days we watched one cowboy show after another, my favorite was The Lone Ranger, <laughs> and I thought he was amazing, but you know what? Um, I lived my life like that for a long time. Oh, I can do this alone. I'm the Lone Ranger. I don't want anybody else to know what's going on inside of me. And over the years, um, I've come to value doing life uh, deeply with people. And there's a point where when our hearts connect, isn't it beautiful? When, when we sense God's presence not only with us, but then in each other. So we desperately need a relationship with God and relationships with each other. And sometimes the realities working against this today is, uh, can be overwhelming. It's scary to look at where personal relationships and uh, communication are going in this generation. I was reading, for example, that people today are productivity-driven, and they find that phone calls and voice-to-voice -voice interaction is disruptive. Two ringtones and most phones go to voicemail. 
When a son tried to reach his mother by phone, she answered with a text. She said, what's up? I'm busy. (laughs) Turns out she was texting with other people at the time. Too busy to take this phone call. Snapchat and texting are replacing voice-to-voice communication at an alarming rate. One comedian said it this way, calling without texting first is like walking into your living room without knocking on the door. (laughs) But we all do it, don't we? I'm learning to be a two-thumb guy. I was a one-finger guy, and this is faster, isn't it? And And I thought... Look at the size of those thumbs. How am I going to hit that one little letter? (laughs) But somehow it works. I don't know how that works. But anyway, I found myself texting people to say, would you be available if I called you in the next 15 minutes? Oh, yes, I'll be available. This is Joe. Please leave a message. But I guess we find different ways to triage people and decide who we'll talk to and who we won't, right? So here's the point. If we're we're losing our ability to relate to and enjoy one another, what is happening in our ability to be aware of God's presence and to be in communication with him? In Mark 3.14, it says, Jesus appointed the twelve designating them as apostles, that they might be with him. The order is not a mistake. That they might be with him and that he might send them out. So if we're interested in being involved in ministry and God working in us and through us and the lives of other people, It does not last very long unless we find a way to be with him before we go and do. Both are really important, but we can get out of balance. And then we're in trouble because tough to do ministry when something's not right in here. So taking the time to be with God, who desires to be with us, possibly is the single most important concept relative to the current and uh, future health of the church. Charles Haddon Spurgeon was uh, a preacher in the 18th century. A lot of people agree that he probably was the best preacher that ever lived. Imagine that. Could have been the best preacher that ever lived. I was fascinated to hear how he got his start in ministry. So there he was in London, and uh, he just had an urge to go to church. Now, it was a snowy night. The snow was deep, still coming down. Threw on his coat, and he made his way through the streets to, now listen to this, a primitive Methodist chapel. And he walked in the door, and nobody was there And he sat up in the balcony. I'm not sure why. (laughs) Charles Haddon Spurgeon, like a 17-year-old kid, sitting in the balcony. And he said, the the pastor wasn't there. And an old deacon 
comes up to the pulpit and he reads from Isaiah the passage that said, look to the Lord and be saved. Nobody was in this huge building except Spurgeon up in the balcony. And the man looked and he said, look, young man, and be saved. And Charles Spurgeon said, I looked I looked as if I could have looked my eyes away. And I saw Jesus in that chapel. And I said, I will serve you for the rest of my life. Became the greatest preacher of all time. So I told you all that because I'm going to quote him. <laughs> you have to try to imagine that you're with Charles Haddon Spurgeon in a, in a Methodist chapel in England. And, and here's what he says. Just a few words, but they, they really gripped my heart. You might have to close your eyes when you hear this. So shut yourself in and listen to this sentence. A sense of the divine presence and indwelling bears the soul toward heaven as on eagle's wings. A sense of the divine presence and indwelling bears the soul toward heaven as on eagle's wings. Isaiah 40, 31 says, Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. I don't know if anybody here today is soaring, but if you are, that's awesome. Like on eagle's wings, you know. Waiting on the Lord and mounting up with wings like eagles. But then there's times when, in life when maybe we can't fly, but we can still run. And then there's the time when all we can do is walk. Anybody here, gee, I keep saying, do you remember? And I don't know if you do or not, but years ago there was a comedy show called The Carol Burnett Show. Anybody ever hear that? And they had a guy on there named Tim uh, Conway, and he used to play the 90-year-old man. Uh, is it okay to do this? I have to interpret everything. And to, okay, just do it. So, so Tim Conway would be sitting in his living room. <laughs> I'm laughing already. <laughs> he'd hear the doorbell, and he'd get up out of his chair. <laughs> Don't go away, I'm coming. I'll be there in a minute. <laughs> well, guess what? Sometimes in our spiritual life, that's us. One little step at a time. But we're still moving. And in any one of those situations, we can be aware of the presence of God. Moving us, carrying us, helping us, holding us. I remember meeting with a man in Chicago at a leadership conference who literally changed my life in a half hour because he really got at what was going on inside of me 
And he said, if you'll sit with God and journal every day for 30 days, I don't know how God does it, you'll look back and when you read it through, you'll see God at work in your life. What an amazing guy. He touched my, my life deeply, helping me to think about slowing down and paying attention. And uh, it was a beautiful moment. And you know what he said? If you don't, if you don't learn to do that, your church could be thriving and it could be really like a well-oiled machine, but you're going to cave in. I wish every pastor who ever lived in America and throughout the world had heard someone say that to them. You can lead a church that has it all together, seemingly, but if you don't learn to get with God. And you know what he said? He said, Randy, when you're praying, do you ever feel tight in your shoulders and your legs? Do you tense up? I said, yes. Then he said, stop praying. Just sit quiet and let God love you. Isn't that beautiful? What a great thought. Well, a little over a year ago, one of our best friends in the world went to be with the Lord after several years of fighting cancer. His name was Bill Mills. He was the founder of a ministry called Leadership Resources. Today it's known as uh, Word Partners. And there is a staff of leaders and teachers all over the world going into the most remote places at times, helping pastors learn how to study the Word and preach. And uh, I got to be part of that in far eastern Russia at one time. Oh my goodness, what a life-changing time that was. And uh, Bill stood about this high. Um, well, let me tell it this way. He led a conference one time, and he was teaching the Word, a conference on discipleship, and he said a young man came up to him after, the, after one of the sessions. And here's what he said. Now imagine this. He said, I've never met you before. You're not very impressive looking. Uh, you're really not the best speaker. And he went on with a few other nice little comments. <laughs> but then he said, 20 minutes after you started, God began to work in my heart. And I just don't get it. Well, maybe this will help you understand uh, what that young man was talking about. Psalm 27 verse 4 says, one thing this is David. One thing I ask of the Lord, that is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And then Bill would say this, Solomon, the son of David, asked for wisdom. Not a bad thing, it's a good thing. It helped him deal with many serious problems. Solomon asked for wisdom, but David asked for God himself. 
No wonder he was called a man after God's own heart, even when he had sinned in some terrible ways, still he was called a man after God's own heart because he came back. And of course he said in Psalm 51, uh, Psalm 51, there's a song about it. It won't create in me, in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Isn't that beautiful? Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Because when everything was said and done, he came back. He came back. And when you come back to God, he doesn't send you away. He says, ah, he wants you to be with him. So I'll never forget those words of uh, Bill. Solomon asked for wisdom. David asked for God himself. Jesus invites us to abide in his love. And that means to dwell with all that I am. It's an invitation to total belonging, to full intimacy, to an unlimited being with him. John Ortberg says, God meets you where you are because that's the only place you are. He can't meet you anywhere else. So um, if you ever hear someone say, well, I'd come to church, but I've got to get my act together. Well, what is that? How do we do that unless we're in the presence of God, letting him work in us? Solomon asked for wisdom. David asked for God himself. And may we become people who wholeheartedly long for God himself. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your invitation, which is always a standing invitation. You never, you said, Lord, that if we seek after you, you would never turn us away, that if we seek you, we'll find you. If we go after you, you will be there and meet us. And Lord, I pray today that whatever issues in our lives, uh, sometimes the issue, God, is that we have something that's keeping us from coming to you and asking for help. So whatever the issues are, Lord, in our lives, help us to quiet our minds and our hearts enough to be able to say, Lord, I want you. I want you. And then we can hear you saying, you've got me. So, Lord, thank you for uh, these moments together. And now go before us as we walk out of here and go into uh, with our family or wherever you're leading us. And as we follow you, Lord, transform our hearts and our lives. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.